The Read to Lead Podcast, Episode 73. Hi, I'm Erica Dewan, co-author of Get Big Things Done, The Power of Connectional Intelligence. You're about to enjoy another great conversation with a successful and inspiring author. It's the Read to Lead Podcast with my friend, Jeff Brown. In order to be a good conversationalist, you have to be well-informed. And in order to be well-informed, you have to be well-read. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever-important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Hi there. Welcome to the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. We sit down each week with a very successful and inspiring author, and we talk about their latest book and also things like leadership, personal development, career, marketing, business, and entrepreneurship. And in today's episode, we're going to be chatting with Susan Roan. She's author of the best-selling book, How to Work a Room, The Ultimate Guide to Making Lasting Connections in Person and online. And I'm going to be asking Susan about the difference between networking as we traditionally think of it and working a room, some of the reasons why often overlooked small talk is so powerful, the do's and don'ts of chatting online, and a lot more. If you haven't yet joined our Facebook group, I highly encourage you to do so. There's a lot of great community and interaction happening there. It's a great place to interact with other fans of the Read to Lead podcast. To join the group, just go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash group. And please consider visiting our sponsors. Blinkist creates inside their free app, easy-to-consume business book summaries, now in both written and in audio form. To find out more, readtoleadpodcast.com slash Blinkist. And the site lynda.com has video tutorials, thousands in fact, on just about anything you'd like to learn. You can find out more about them and take advantage of a 10-day free trial at readtoleadpodcast.com slash lynda. That's lynda with a Y. Susan Roan is, of course, an author, but also an in-demand keynote speaker. She has shared her message of connection and communication with audiences worldwide and in publications, including the New York Times, USA Today, the Wall Street Journal. Her clients include the likes of Coca-Cola, Kaiser, the U.S. Air Force, Apple, Stanford University, LinkedIn, the NFL, and her personal favorite, Hershey's Chocolate. And her book, How to Work a Room, has sold more than one million copies and has been recently re-released in a newly revised and updated 25th Silver Anniversary Edition. Susan, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. We're thrilled to have you here. Well, I am delighted. And on top of it, I'm a former school teacher, so the idea of reading to lead is so important. Well, I used to, unfortunately, think of reading uh, as homework, as, 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 as a chore, you know, and when I was in school, uh, you know, reading was something you had to do. And so I was well into my adult years before I kind of came back to reading and realized just how valuable it really, really is. I didn't appreciate it for what it was as, as a young person. Well, you are helping people appreciate how much value is out there if they only pick up a book. Or how about this 
walk into a library. <laughs> How's that for retro old <laughs> <Yeah>. school? <laughs> well, I want to start off by asking you in regard to the book, Susan, what was it that, that prompted the re-release? I would assume part of that is the passing of time, uh, but, but why was it necessary in your view uh, to revise the book as you have? You know, I'm a very, I have no technical skills. I can't even begin to tell you. I don't even use a Cuisinart when you can have a chopping board and a knife. <laughs> right. But I'm an early adopter of social media. And because I actually read three print papers a day, I'm aware living in the Bay Area of how much is going on in the world that has been impacted by technology. And though How to Work a Room is about how you meet and mingle, and I had mentioned both LinkedIn and Facebook in the 2007 version, honestly, Jeff, so much has changed. Now we have rooms like Twitter and Google Plus and Instagram and Vine, and and those are viable rooms in which people meet, mingle, schmooze, etc. Mm. But I also noticed that our behavior has gotten not so good. <laughs> that's that's a kind way to put it. <laughs> and and I've heard so many people lament about the younger generation and they don't interact and they're only that. And I gotta tell you, it's not just the younger generation. I mean, I have relatives who are the older generation that are happy to not talk to you. <laughs> I mean, really, we need to bring back. If we're going to lead, if we're going to manage our careers, our lives, we need to be able to be conversing with people. Well, Susan, I've asked this of previous guests, but how would you define the word networking and, and how is that different maybe than, than the phrase working a room? They are so different and I'm the only person who can answer this. <laughs> I wrote How to Work a Room, but I also wrote The Secrets of Savvy Networking. Mm. Those two books, there's not one word that is similar in each. The ability to work a room is based on, now I, this is an old-fashioned word, but we have to bring this back, socializing, mm. circulating, interacting, networking, the word we use as an umbrella for everything, that's really the follow-up to after you work the room. That's when you do what you say you're going to do. I'm going to send you the URL. I'm going to send you the article. I'm going to introduce you to so-and-so. All that is the after I work a room because you can really know how to work a room and have no follow-up skills. So they're two separate skills. But what we know is that together there's a synergy that is magical. Well, I know if, if I'm at an event and I know several people, I, I'm, I'm usually fine. But if I know next to no one, I can have a tendency to be uh, a bit of a, of a wallflower. How, how can we get better? What are some tips we can leverage, Susan, to better work that room, particularly when we're in a situation where we, we know next to no one there? Okay, so I'm going to give you the Susan Rowan goes to a wedding and knows no one. No, <laughs> But here's, here's what we do. And if you're listening to this as you're driving, etc., re-listen to it and get paper and pencil and take notes. Before you go anywhere, it's so easy in this day and age to do some due diligence and homework. You can Google people. You can go to a website. You can check out their LinkedIn profile. You can have an idea of who has RSVP'd to an event. You could see who the generic person there is by looking at the website and finding out who's extending this invitation or having this event. So the idea of I don't know anyone and I know nothing about them, <laughs> not in this day and age. Right. That just means you're lazy. <laughs> That's number one. 
Number two, in order to be a good conversationalist, you have to be well-informed. And in order to be well-informed, you have to be well-read. Now, that also means reading newspapers. I'm fine if you read it online. You can read it in print. You can read it on your tablet. But you should know what's going on in the world. You should know what's going on in national international, your local community. So we need to read a local and a national. And I don't care if you do it digitally or in print, but that's where all the conversation is. Nothing is worse than saying, oh, I don't know what to say to people. Of course not. You haven't read a paper. (laughs) Now we have great content curators. Mm. One of the best is the week. It'll give you the 10 top things you should know. And talk to me. Tell me something interesting. Tell me what you're doing. Observe something in the room. Talk about small talk. Mm. Talk about how you found the magical parking place. Yeah, yeah. Small talk is is something that we we often overlook, isn't it? Uh, I mean, even the name small talk that sort of lends itself to you know that's not really important. But but you say that small talk is actually pretty powerful. It's the way we find out what we have in common with other people. Mm. Common bonds. It's how we connect with people. You know, when I wrote What Do I Say Next, which was my third book, I did a survey of 100 great conversationalists. And what was so interesting to me, it was a three-page survey, but the most interesting thing is not one of the 100 people denigrated small talk. Not one. They all saw it as a way to get to know each other. So while I hear people say, well, I think small talk is, and I hear that all the time, small talk is, it's a waste of my time. Really? If you find out that I'm from Chicago and you're from Chicago and we both like deep dish pizza, (laughs) I don't care how intellectual we are, we're going to have a conversation. (laughs) If I'm talking to someone and I found out that they have a son that's interested in playing lacrosse and I have a nephew who plays lacrosse. That's a conversation. And it's not that you stay at that conversation the whole time. It's the start. And then you share information. And then you're smiling. And then you're connected. Mm -hmm. And that's when you can segue to the other parts that you might want to talk about. And connecting happens to be, Susan, one of the things I, I love about one of our, our sponsors, lynda.com. They're connecting millions of people around the world with the teachers of over 3,000 courses on their on their website to teach things like web development and photography and, and visual design and business or software training like Excel and WordPress and Photoshop. And I like to think they have something for, for just about everybody. And right now they're doing this cool thing where they offer a free 10-day trial when you visit readtoleadpodcast.com slash lynda. And you get access to every course at the website, access to view tutorials on uh, your tablet, your iPhone or Android device, and access to, to new courses every single week. Some of my favorites are things like getting things done, uh, business writing, fundamentals, grammar fundamentals, breaking out of a rut, that sort of thing. So if you'd like to find out more about that free 10-day trial, we encourage you to check out readtoleadpodcast.com slash Linda. That's Linda with a Y. And consider signing up today. Zero risk. It's free for 10 days. Now, let's assume for a moment, uh, Susan, that we're not face-to-face. What are, what are some tips that you share for doing a better job of, of chatting online? Maybe some, some do's and don'ts that we need to be aware of. You know, we still have to have the etiquette and manners that relate to that specific room we're in. Facebook is different than Google Plus and is different than LinkedIn. 
and it's different than Twitter. You know, we want to know the etiquette and the, say, the unwritten rules of the room. How we dress and behave at a wedding is very different than we might at a bachelor party, very different than we would behave at a memorial service. So the same thing goes online. Know the room you're in. Don't write anything where you're communicating with someone that you wouldn't say to their face because so many mistakes have been made by people who think, oh, and the comments, you know, they'll comment on an article and you'll go, oh my goodness, would you ever say that to someone? So I think we want to have decorum and good manners. We can say our opinions, but we need to take the time to phrase it in a way that it's paid attention to rather than dismissed as being arbitrary. You know, I I learned the hard way uh, really early in my career. I had a supervisor point out that I tended to have a passive, aggressive approach uh, when it it came to email. I mean, I, I would say things in email to somebody that I would never say to them to their face. Uh, I tended to be a little bit more curt, a little more short, more blunt, and uh, it took someone else pointing that out to me for me to sort of take a step back and go, "Oh wow, yeah, you're right. I, I need to need to curtail how I, how I handle that and 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 communicate in email more the way I would tend to do face to face, which was much more polite and with more understanding and that sort of thing." Well, here's the other thing: in an email, exactly what you wrote had it come out of your mouth might have been fine because we can see your facial expression Mm. and we can hear your tone. But if you're reading it, that's totally different. I have that in a personal level. A a friend who'd been a client wrote me an email. I was so wounded. Oh, my goodness. I couldn't believe it. Two years later, I said something and he, he didn't even remember he wrote it. It, well, he didn't mean it the way he the way I took it. So how do we avoid that? First of all, as we all know, check and look before you hit send to make sure you're not in all caps because that means you're <laughs> screaming at us. But none of this poking fun at people or if you have an issue with what someone said, go offline. I know there's a big thing at Twitter about people having these, the celebrities having little tweet feuds. Well, none of us are celebrities, and we can't afford that. (laughs) That's number one. But number two, the whole idea of direct messages. If you are involved with Twitter, make sure your direct message option is engaged. Because I might want to send you a direct message that I don't think is the business of the rest of the people in the tweet stream. Mm. And, And the same with LinkedIn. LinkedIn is not for you to see as a sales forum. It's where you share information. You could post something. This is not where you sell, sell, sell. Facebook, I love that too with clients because they get to say some things and I can make a nice comment and, gee, congratulations. I think you want to be known as the person who doesn't just like things but will say something and be part of the conversation. Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook all believe that the social media is part of the social milieu and the social conversation. But if you're just lurking and never posting or commenting, then you're not part of the conversation. You're missing the point. Uh, Going back uh, for just a moment to sort of the in-person interaction, if you have trouble remembering names like I do, then then face-to-face interaction at a conference or other event can can sometimes be be stressful. Susan, what advice do you give clients on getting better at remembering people's names? 
Well, I love name tagged events. Um, I even went to a wedding where people wore name tags, except for the women wearing strapless dresses. That We had no place to put anything. <laughs> but um, it, when you see someone with a name tag, do a little quick glance to refresh your memory. But the other thing, and it's the number one tip that people remember from How to Work Room, put your name tag on the right side. I know you guys have your pockets on the left, but the right side is the line of sight for a handshake. So when you say hello to someone, you could sneak a peek at the name tag. The other thing to remember is nobody remembers names anymore. We hardly remember our own names. (laughs) So when you don't remember someone's name and you remember their face, don't waste time with some little contrived phrasing. Just say, you know, it's been one of those days. I hardly remembered my own name. Could you be a dear and remind me? Could you please help me out? That's a good way to say it. Could you help me out? Mm. Very few people say, no, I think I want you to squirm. (laughs) And by the way, the person that would say that, you do not want to be talking. (laughs) Good point. Because, you know, if you forgot theirs, you can bet they forgot yours. Mm. Well, Susan, we've all been in an event where there's that person that just sort of rubs us the wrong way. What can we learn from those that that tend to have, and I don't want to put this too strongly, that tend to have a more sleazy approach to networking and, and working a room? You know, when we see people behaving in a way we know is inappropriate, they are a great role model, literally, of what not to do. Mm. Do you want to stick around and talk to them? Not particularly. So let me give you a way to exit that would be gracious. I'm all about the gracious exits. And you can go to my website, anyone listening, and you can find it there. One of the gracious exits when you really find that someone's sleazy or maybe they're just disinterested in you and you think they're sleazy because they're not interested, but it could be that they just got a test result that worries them about their own physical health or they just found out the company is going to downsize. You never know what the issue is. What you do is just say to them with a big smile because you never know where they're going to turn up You might find out they're like the important person at the next conference. (laughs) Big big smile and just say, oh, I hope you enjoy the rest of the meeting, the wedding, the conference, the fundraiser. And you excuse yourself and go over to another group or someone standing alone. Now, if someone really has said something offensive, I personally like to look at them and give them, being a former school teacher, my sixth grade teacher lifted left eyebrow look. You know that one. (laughs) When someone has really gone overboard and been inappropriate, just excuse me to the other people standing there and walk away. Mm. Silence is approval. When people say things that are, I'm saying inappropriate is a nice word. We do not want our presence to lend credence to that Mm. word or whatever they said. So we need to not be in the company of someone who's mis. Oh, this is the word, misbehaves. Well, that is so good. I, I think that's important to, for us to remember that silence is, is, is basically approval. The best thing to do is to politely excuse yourself. And, and we often don't have the courage to do that. But, but thank you, uh, Susan, for that reminder. May I give you another way to get out of a conversation when it's been absolutely fabulous, but you know you need to meet other people at an event? By all means, yes. Okay, here's what you do. You're talking to someone and it's wonderful, but you know that you've 
you're supposed to meet people, they're supposed to meet people. What you do is you interrupt yourself when you're saying something, not them. And say something like, I have had such a good time talking to you about last year's Super Bowl commercials. Because when you say that, you are summarizing part of that conversation. It shows you were listening. Mm. And you could say, you can say, oh, do you have a card? And if they don't ask for yours, you could say, and we always remember the language of good manners will carry you anywhere. Mm. May I offer you one of mine? And if you promised that you would send them something or introduce them, do it when you said you were going to do it, because mm. follow up is everything. And what you do then is you can excuse yourself, but you don't just turn your back. You walk at least a quarter of the room away to another group or someone standing alone. Now, another way to exit is say to someone, oh, you know, I think I see uh, David Jones. Have you met him? I I think that's him. I'm not sure. Why don't you come on over with me and let's say hello. And when you do that and then you introduce your new person to the person you have already met, you help that new person increase their network and meet people. People appreciate that, Jeff, because we're all shy. 90% of us are shy, according to the research. We have so many people who now think of themselves as introverts. And anything you can do to make that easy for other people is not only strategic, it's kind. Well, Susan, I appreciate that. I've got some questions not directly related to the book that I want to ask you about. But before I do that, is there anything else from the book you want to make sure we know? I think one of the things I would really want you to know, and I said it, is that manners and etiquette will carry you everywhere. I have a chapter in the book called Charm and Chutzpah, because you have to have a little bit of boldness. But charm is really being interested in other people. But the tip that I would give is don't just ask a lot of questions at events, because everyone will think that you are an interrogator. Mm. Collect all those wonderful stories of your neighbors, your parents, your kids, your dog, You know, what happened the last time you went to a restaurant and share the stories. So if you can collect the wonderful little stories that come across our everyday lives, people relate to stories. And I think that was one of the points of the book. That's the facts. Great. But when you share a story that people relate to, there's a connection that is wonderful. I'm wondering if you could name for us, Susan, a couple of books that you've read or maybe are are currently reading that have impacted you. And if you can, share with us how or why they've impacted you as they have. Well, I'm a great fan of Daniel Pink. Even before he wrote his books, I've I've read Drive. I've read To Sell as Human. I've read um, A Whole New Mind. Mm. But I'll also say that I have, for at least 20 years, I've been a subscriber to Psychology Today. Because I have felt that in order to be the speaker that I want to be, and I believe I am, I have to be aware of what's really going on in the research. It isn't enough for me to say it, but if there is social science research that even may contradict me, I need to change. And that's when I learned that what people think motivates us is not what motivates us. Daniel Pink went back to that research and wrote Drive based on the current research on what motivates us. And it is so different. It was illuminating. And it goes back to people want to have some autonomy. They want to have a say-so. And they like to be treated as if they're valuable. 
what a concept. <laughs> so I love anything he writes. I read Malcolm Gladwell. I'm Auntie Susan and Grandma Susan to some kids, and here's some books that I'd like you to know about. Dan Gutman, G-U-T-M-A-N, does a series called The Genius Files. And if you have any child in your life that's between the ages of 9 or 10 and 13, those Genius Files books are great. And you know, when we talk about Read to Lead, what are we reading? But what are we encouraging this next generation of readers to read, I think, is important. Uh, you mentioned uh, Dan Pink. We had him on episode, I think it was episode 28 of the show. Ah. Uh, we'll put a link to that uh, in the show notes. But I am a huge fan. We talked specifically about his book, To Sell as Human. But I, too, have read Drive and A Whole New Mind and, and cannot recommend his work uh, highly enough. Malcolm Gladwell as well. Uh, Susan, a couple more questions for you. 100 years from now, what do you hope to be remembered for? That by the time I passed, I still look as good as I do now. <laughs> That's really my main drive. That's my, um, you know, I always think about legacy. And I didn't have children, so that's why I'm Auntie Susan and Grandma Susan. Um, I have a couple things. One is, having been a teacher... And I know I have over 25 years had people who are now colleagues and friends say that my book changed their life. They were shy. If I've given anyone in an audience that I've spoken to something that makes it easy for them to walk into any event and feel comfortable and confident and come away that they not only felt successful, but that they also had a good time, that to me is, is, is gold. Well, I want to ask finally, what are you working on now uh, or next uh, that you're able to to share with us? I started a part of my business called Pick My Brain Consulting, and I have really coached some authors, helped them get published. I've also coached people who were in a career, and this is how I started doing career change. I designed the San Francisco Examiner Career Series, but to help people see what they do in repackage it and look where else it can be used. And I've also done this for people who just need to mingle a little better. You know, I've done this with corporate clients, help their people who need to be more effective at trade shows and board of directors meetings, etc. Well, it's the classic bestseller on socializing and now fully updated for social interactions in a digital age, endorsed by the likes of Daniel Pink and Guy Kawasaki and others. How to Work a Room, the ultimate guide to making lasting connections in person and online. Susan, it was a thrill to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time and for sharing your insights. We really appreciate it. You're welcome, and I thank you. It's been a delight, Jeff. Thanks. If Susan's not already in your network, I highly recommend you add her. You can find her on Twitter at Susan Roan, R-O-A-N-E, as well as How to Work a Room on Twitter. And if you'd like to dig a little deeper into this episode, maybe look at the resources and links that we discussed, the books that Susan recommended and more, then check out the page on our blog dedicated to this episode. You'll find it at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 073 for episode 73. You'll find more about our sponsors there as well. Visit Blinkist directly at readtoleadpodcast.com slash Blinkist and Linda at readtoleadpodcast.com slash L-Y-N-D-A. Don't forget to join the Facebook group to interact with other Read to Lead podcast listeners. That's readtoleadpodcast.com slash group. And finally, one of the things that helps the show out in a fantastic way 
is new ratings and reviews of the show on iTunes and on Stitcher specifically. In fact, if you give the show a five-star rating and leave a written review so we know who you are, you'll get mentioned on a future episode of the Read to Lead podcast. To rate and review the show, visit readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes or readtoleadpodcast.com slash Stitcher. Special thanks to Ortiz ARW, who calls it a phenomenal podcast with a five-star rating and review. Thank you so much. And Bella from the Delight Your Marriage podcast, who says, fantastic, definitely my jam. Thanks, Bella. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time for the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Some enchanted evening. You may see a stranger, you may see a stranger across a crowded room.